Hey guys, this is Lucas from Holden Absence, and you are listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, hey there everyone, welcome back to a brand new edition of Interview Under Fire. This is your beloved host here in sunny as always, and today I would like to welcome an extremely talented human being in Lucas Woodland. Been looking forward to this one. Lucas, uh, brother, it's an honor. Thank you so much for joining our IUF series today. Man, oh man. I mean, we are for sure syncing up on an important and exciting time of the year for you and the rest of the guys over at Holding Absence with the release of our newest album, The Noble Art of Self-Destruction. I just, I, I can't stop saying that, just that title. It drops August 25th on <laughs> Sharp Tone. Uh, first off, congrats, man, because you guys have been picking up crazy momentum as of late. The reception has been very well received and welcomed. Those amazing singles that dropped, False Dawn, A Crooked Melody, Honeymoon, a lot to unpack about this album, including yeah, everything man. that you are about. Before we get to all that, right? I don't think I asked you this yet. I do with this all my guests. Like, I, I forget. How are you? <laughs> Officially midway <laughs> through... Officially midway through 2023, if I'm not mistaken, you performed at some mm. big festivals already this year, man. You got this yeah, album dude. lined up. Exciting times. Like, let's exhale. Are you are you getting a chance to just take this all in at the moment? <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, you know, I got to be honest. You know, we had the most intense start to the year. So actually, not only do you find me halfway through the year, but you find me halfway through my three months off where I get to spend time with my yeah, family yeah. and I get to spend time with my girlfriend and just be a normal human. Uh, so yeah, so honestly, the energy is really good on my end at the moment. You know, like you said, the new album is out soon or now, depending on when this interview comes out. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's always a very interesting kind of experience writing, yeah. recording and releasing a record because, you know, it's like a time capsule of who you are for two whole years of your life. And, yeah. and then you kind of, you know, you you lock it and you throw it out to, to to see and you just hope that people enjoy it you know so uh so yeah very excited a little bit nervous but everything is good on our end at the moment i, I think it's okay to be nervous that just means you have a lot of you know uh shows dedication to your craft and something i want to mention that you guys are from wales uh, you've been at this mm -hmm. for eight years if I, my math is correct and have since released two great full-length records for as long as i've been listening to you guys there you threw an ep in there and for our listeners maybe even your fans who may not know uh lucas the formation of holding absence right alongside your bandmates do you ever look i don't know are you someone who looks back on like the early days when this all began i know we're talking about a new album but doing this for eight years and for as long as it maybe you have it's not an easy thing to do yet here you are H how often do you look back on those early days or or do you not do that you just you know what forge ahead <laughs> no, I think I think it is so important to to remember the the beginning of things, you know, and like if not for nostalgia, but for context, you know. Yeah, if yeah, if yeah. I don't look back and go like, wow, you know, I, I I missed that or whatever, I look back and I go, wow, look how far we've come, you know. And and so yeah, so that's something that I'm I'm always always aware of. I'm always trying to tap into the spirit of this band from day one. You know, there were periods of time where we would just except any show that we got offered we would play anywhere yeah. we would do anything and i think you know that kind of ethos and mentality is what got us to where we are today and it's something that we try and recycle a little bit within our psyche as well you know trying to always just remember that this is fun this is passionate this is not a job this is a, a beautiful dream that we've been afforded and like you know how would you know, you know the expression like how would 10 year old you 
would 10 year old you think i think about that right a lot I'm, I'm maybe yeah, i'm too yeah. nostalgic but i think about that a lot my brother's in town from oklahoma and uh we get to hang out maybe once or twice a year and we we always talk about man remember i don't know 2002 yeah. like you know something like that or maybe yeah, yeah, even like yeah, yeah. we always yeah. think about what we did that year or something like that it's always crazy and to I think, think about i think it's an important thing to be honest as, as a person and as as a, a professional you know almost like respecting who you have always been at your core you know what mm -hmm. i mean like trying not to try not to stray too far from what you are as a person you know and, and like and, and like you said you know whether that's reminiscing with old friends or trying to remember beliefs you held at the beginning of everything or whatever you know it's like the really important thing um but just to, to kind of get back to your original question this band started in i think 2016 was when i joined um right okay and in the meantime, Scott, our guitarist, has joined and Ben, our bassist, has joined. But the interesting thing about this band is that myself, Ben and Scott started a band in 2010 when we were 16 years of age. So weirdly, this band has become the same band that I started 13 years ago, you know. So it's, it's, it's become a funny kind of um, journey for us, myself and Ash, especially because, you know, we've been there since day one, really. But, um, but it, it's nice because... These are people that I grew up with, you know, people that I played my first shows with, even though it might not actually look like that on paper. You know, that that is the fact. And and it's it's so cool because once again, just to finally kind of hit that, I guess, that idea at home. You know, when I look yeah. on stage at the boys around me, I'm like, these are my buddies, you know what I mean? These aren't my colleagues, these are my friends. And I've been doing this with them for over ten years now. And that's such a such an honor, you know. And, you know, one of the things that makes holding absence, you know, is also you talk about being on stage, the live presence that you guys exhibit on stage. This is a topic I'll never stop talking about, Lucas, because you guys have been making the rounds lately. You perform with some of, you know, bands who've already been on our show, like The Plot and You, Thornhill, Banks Arcade, The Amity Affliction. They just dropped a new album. If you haven't like listened to that, listen to that as well. Uh, you performed at Slam Dunk Festival, the 2000 Trees Festival. Yeah. You got that. And I mentioned you coming to Dallas in two months. Uh, that census fail tour with uh, thousand below and shout out to thousand below they were on our show as yeah, well dude. Uh, and uh, yeah, james, nice, james, nice. james deberg uh, amazing guy and i don't know if you met yeah. that guy or met those guys over at thousand below you i'm very good friends with them on the internet <laughs> Bro, I can't wait to meet you them are going to be like, in great hands on this tour i mean i can't wait to see wh what your expression is after you guys get done with that but considering how much touring is going on right i wonder what is it about live music lucas that really brings out the best in you i have yet to see you live which i'm counting down the days you know but i've been following you guys for a while i feel like, like out of anything you've done in your life lucas like this is where you are in your element do you agree with that do you disagree with that how do you see that yeah i think so you know i think being a musician is is such a, a special thing because it is it is kind of your job to do the two most opposite things in the world mm -hmm. you know to get on stage and exert you know, like your physical, basically just like in whatever, almost as if you're an athlete and then to go home yeah. and to sit there pen pensively, you know, writing lyrics or writing music or whatever, you know, there's such a duality to it, but yeah, I, I, I can't help but feel like the touring aspect of this band is just, just given my life such purpose. You know, we, we've played 75 shows so far this year, which is, you know, or even then we stopped <laughs> and we stopped touring last month. You know, I've been home for six weeks. So, you know, pretty much in five months, we did that many shows. And then, 
Um, and then last year we did 98 yeah. shows and like, you know, since the pandemic, we played nearly 250 shows and like, it, it's crazy, but it's like, it's, it's where I think a, we most feel alive as people and as musicians, but B is where I think our band thrives the most. Like if you don't get holding absence, like I urge you to come to a show because that is our band is all about connection essentially. And there's no better way than at connecting than to do it in the same room, you know, when your arms reach from a person, I guess, you know. I can't help but ask, Lucas, is it easy or maybe difficult to turn it off when you're home? You know, because you're in that mode to, uh, on the road. It's yeah. it's crazy because uh, my brothers were the same way when they, and they're not touring as much as they used to, but they're both drummers, like I said, they're musicians. But how difficult is it when you come home and it's like, okay, I gotta, I'm not in touring mode anymore. I don't have to exert all this energy because you're going to be back on the road before you know it after, you know, we get done here. So for someone like you, like I said, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but for be doing something for as long as you have, you know? Yeah. And even, yeah, it, even for like, even like you can even think about other bands, like bands like Iron Maiden, Metallica, who've been doing it their mm -hmm. entire lives. Where do you draw the line between, okay, stage Lucas as opposed to being at home Lucas, as maybe I'm seeing right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um honestly very easy actually because i've got a very healthy relationship with with the the person i become on stage and the person i am off stage i'm yeah. i'm i'm proud of of who i am off stage and i'm even prouder of who i am on stage but i see a little bit less of him you know what i mean so yeah. it's a, it's a really nice kind of um and i i always refer to it as like like Iron Man and Tony Stark, you know what I mean? It's, it's like the the, the the stage version of me has so much more shiny kind of like, you know, things that, and it's, it's more about showing off and, you know, and, and trying to, you know, reach heights and, and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, without, without Tony Stark, you know, it's, it's just an empty suit, you know? And I think it's very important to respect both sides of the yeah. coin, really. The one thing though I do struggle with is just like, Every time I get back on tour, I think, can I still do this? You know, mm. like, yeah. because it, that, that is the weird thing is like, I know question. I can, and I've, I've done it for four months in a row in the past, you know, but it's like, uh, you don't know until you know, you know, you can't, you can't yeah. uh, stage a performance. You just got to do the performance and find out, you know, so that is always a little bit scary. Yeah, and the burnouts come at the very weird. Like it, you, you, you feel it. Like you don't really yeah. know when it hits you, but it just hits you like a like a truck. It's funny. You, I don't think I've ever actually mentioned this on the show. I've had maybe over like three hundred interviews on here, but you mentioned Iron Man and Tony Stark. Is it weird that I'm as you're talking to me right now, Lucas? This is actually me in Batman form. I'm not Bruce Wayne yet, you know. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it's it's like the the. the the performer and the person, you know, yeah. and having that kind of duality. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm pretty much like this when you'll meet me in person. So don't, no, nothing to worry about there. Now, you know, aside <laughs> from the music, I'm always intrigued to hear about other aspects of an artist's life that potentially feed into their creativity and personality. Lucas, your love for anime. Tell me more about that. How did you get pulled into this <laughs> world? And what are some of your favorite current animes? Because one of my really best friends, shout out to Tony. Uh, he introduced me to a lot of anime. Uh, I think he, cool. I still have Oron High School that's like sitting on the, uh, on the, nice. <laughs> right the Blu-ray. Anyway, but I'm not exposed to as much as, as, as much as you are, but tell me how much you love it. Cause I know you're a big fan of this entire 
world. You look like an anime character as I'm looking at you right now. I <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the goal. Uh, no, so like anime is a funny one for me, to be honest, because I grew up. So it's interesting because uh, touring America has given me like a far different worldly kind of view. Like, you know, it's, it's like I, I thought I knew everything about America because I watched Disney Channel growing up. And, and then I go out to America and I find things out there that blow my mind. And, and one of them was how exposed to anime you guys were growing up and yeah. in the UK. It really wasn't like that. You know, it was we had Pokemon and we had Beyblade and we had Metabots. And those are like B. I mean, Pokemon is goated, but like those are like C tier or D tier anime. You know, hey, so I still have my really Pokemon have... cards. OK, let me just throw that no, out same. there. Hey, bro. I mean, it, no, seriously, I've like been, I have I've a book of like, poke, like holographic Alakazam, Blastoise. Everything I can go down. We that's a whole different discussion. If we're, that's like a we'll wings, that's, that a, a that's a wings interview. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But uh, I will say though, I went through my Pokemon card collection recently, and I found three gold star cards. And holy like, mother, I can't. But dude, I've got a black Charizard in there that's worth. About no two, way. Like, so oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I know. We it's have another. We have a staff member on on IUF. His name is Corey. He's. I mean, if he found out you had this, he's going to like DM you like, oh, my God, can I see this? Well, what does this look like? Because he's a huge, avid collector of Pokemon cards. He got me back into it. I still have mine. Like I said, anyway, I don't mean to cut you off, but Black Charizard, what the hell? <laughs> Love it. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so with anime, though, yeah. So I kind of, you know, Beyblade and Metabots were, were my favorites when I was younger. And it's not really aged very well because they didn't they weren't really anything other than adverts for yeah, toys, really, you know, mm -hmm. Um. But now I've grown up and like, I've always loved character arcs and I've always loved, you know, I guess I've always loved kind of everything about anime, but I never had exposure to it, you know? And then pretty much during the pandemic, I, I just like, I started watching Studio Ghibli and then I kind of, oh man, you know, I think I watched One Punch Man and then I started oh, okay, like, Academia, okay. Attack on Titan. And like, so I've been falling into, but the other thing that is, is important to know is that like, I grew up reading comics as well, like Western comics, like, you know, from, from the age of eight, my, my dad bought me an Avengers comic and that was my second biggest passion to music for the rest of my life. So with anime, it's, it's funny because it's like, obviously manga is so essential to anime. So it's cool for me because like I read a lot of manga, I watch a lot of anime and it, it's become like a part of my life in the last few years, despite always loving comics and always loving the anime I grew up watching now i'm like in it you know what i mean and i'm like eating as much as i can and just just trying to <laughs> find new stuff always you know are you bringing so, this comics with you on the road while you're touring i always buy comics on the road my, my first okay. thing when i get to a venue is i will uh google i'm vegan so i go on happy cow the app and i find the nearest vegan food spot and then i'll google comic book shops and i'll go to the nearest one so uh, I, I'm always as close to a manga as I can get, really. So, yeah. so okay. So I love that you say you're vegan. Um, a lot of my friends are telling me I should go vegan too because it's I really should. Um, but there is this vegan taco place. I don't like I said. I don't know where the venue is gonna be. You're gonna be here in Dallas. It's called Tiki Taco. Mm -hmm. I think that's the name. Okay. They have some amazing vegan tacos. Uh, but I'll 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 uh, keep you posted on where exactly cool. that's located. But it should be close to where the venue is. But, um, bro. Uh, like we could stay on the subject of anime for as long as we want. We talk about everything yeah. except the music. Let's get to the noble self-destruction, okay? <laughs> yeah. uh, because um, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm quoting you or I'm quoting somebody in the band here. A puzzle, a painting, a work of art in the making. Holy hell! This album, okay, 
if you have a drink, please finish it because I got a lot to say. This was breathtakingly epic. It was a great follow up to 2021's greatest mistake, greatest mistake of my life. Excuse me, and it serves as the third act in this trilogy of albums. We'll get to that later. This is coming from a Star Wars fan. When I think about trilogies and things yeah, like dude, that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so. Lucas, the result of your first two records, right? You have amassed, I'm going to throw some numbers at you if you don't mind. You have amassed over 30 million monthly listeners on Spotify alone and counting overall. Um, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, overall, no, no, no. 30 million listeners. Yep. That's what's crazy. And, and at the same time, outlets like Kerrang! And, and Loudwire, Rock Sound, Alternative Press, praising your work in that process. When you hear numbers and recognition like that, right? especially with it being this early in your career. Tell me, man, it, do you, is there a level of pressure uh, at all for you and the guys when you sit down and write new music again, or do you just drown all that noise, you know, because you got over the debut, you got over the sophomore slump that we hear a lot. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know? And now here at their album, like, do you feel more comfortable? Do you feel like, okay, now I really got to step it up. What goes on in the head of yours? That's a lot of questions. Yeah, man. The answer, no, but you're right. The answer is a lot of things going in my head because you know, I I think I overthink, and then I think actually, just do the first thing you think, underthink. You know what I mean? And like, it's almost like everything you do. You're describing you my thought like, process thought, with everything I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, you're right, man. Because it is a lot of pressure, you know. And like, one thing I will say though is like, like you said, you know. So for example, um. Uh, we've got a song called Afterlife and it's it's on like, I think it's nearly on like 35 million streams, which is just a, a joke, you know, it's more than most songs I grew insane. up listening to, which is insane, you know, but like a big part of our band is not just the replayability or the catchy choruses or whatever, but it, it's the human connection, you know, it's like, I really value that our band is a band that speaks to people and stays mm -hmm. with people. Like the goal for us is to, write music that is incredibly digestible to the everyman and then incredibly relatable to whoever fancies digging a little bit deeper, you know? So we've always got to think, yes, this is catchy. Yes, this is cool, whatever. But does it connect? Does it make you feel things, yeah. you know? And I think Afterlife, back to that that song, you know, it's like I'm, I'm really proud of that one because it is – I can't believe how much of a commercial smash it is, to be honest, but it is a song about grief, you know, and it is a song about, you know, um, having somebody watching over you all your life, essentially, you know, and feeling like your loved ones are still with you even when they're not. And for me, it's like, you know, one million of those streams might be the people coming back grief, you know, and then 34 yeah. million might be because they think it's a good chorus, but you know, I think that one million is is so important, and and I think that's kind of our greatest strength as a band is, you know, we we will make sure that ultimately, amongst all this craziness and all the pressure and everything, you know, we just want to make sure that we can write music that yeah you can enjoy, but you can connect to as well. And I think I think we did a good job of it this this new record. I'm I'm really proud of it. So. Man, I gotta, I gotta applaud you and your bandmates because each of you went above and beyond on this. You know, hearing this album, it was melodic, it was emotional, it was ambient. Mm -hmm. Can I even say that? It, there were heavy yeah, sections yeah. mixed with an impressive range of, I don't know, uh, like pop, post hardcore. Even there are ballads in there. It reminded me of, it's like a mix in between the plot, new Tesseract, movements, Polaris. Yeah. You know, from songs like Head Prison Blues to Scissors to 
death nonetheless to the angel in the marble that song i i'm getting goosebumps <laughs> as i'm talking about that oh, that, that i broke the replay button on that song that may be my favorite song yeah, it's between wow. that or scissors i can't decide i'll it'll probably change tomorrow right. but dude yeah. i made i made sure my neighbors heard this album too because yeah. my my <laughs> windows my window stereo is right there i know they will too but uh you know and something i want to get into as i'm as i'm mentioning this this was also a testament to this album was also a testament to how your life story is never fully told right with Mm -hmm. opportunities for change and growth that's found in every moment you know i wonder how much did things change from when you first started composing on this album lucas to where you ended up finishing it did a lot change in between did nothing change which is also okay like did you already have a specific sound from day one of this album you know i think yeah that's that's a great question i've been putting you on um, the spot (laughs) yeah no you're good that's the the job i do Uh, but yeah i think you know i i think the main change has happened since the last album you know and when i say that i mean you know in the winter of 2019 me and Scott would meet up three or four days a week and I would work at the local music shop and he would work at a local coffee shop and we would put these songs together. And and then, you know, fast forward to, to the next album coming out, you know, we're full-time musicians and we've, like I said, we played, you know, 250 plus shows or whatever in the meantime. And, and we, we almost feel like different people since the band that stepped into the booth for the greatest mistake, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think the most significant change was there, but at the same time, like the, the, we had two mission statements for this album. The first one was all killer, no filler. We wanted to make sure that this was just 10 banging songs. And to a point where we saw a song for a while and we were willing to put out a nine track album because I didn't want an interlude. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. I just wanted good music and and whether that was nine songs or 10 songs who cares like that was the goal um and then the other one was for this album to to feel like almost like a love letter to holding absence fans and to holding absence music you know it's like we wanted it to almost homage itself in a way so that it didn't feel too striking or shocking but at the same time it still felt like this mature group of people that we've become in the meantime you know so yeah, it was a balancing act for sure. But I think, you know, I'm I'm so glad. Thank you for saying that about The Angel and the Marble because I think that song is is the most poignant song I've ever written lyrically. And, you know, it's it's the last track on the album and, and you always get scared people won't make it that far, you know? But I, I truly believe that song is quite indicative of the whole record, actually. So, um, and I'm, I'm super proud of it, yeah. If I were to ever introduce anyone to uh, my brother, for example, okay? we mm-hmm. we love the music i introduced them to that song first cool, if i were to, cool. if I were so to introduce sick. anyone again we have a vast wide uh, majority of fans who listen to interview under fire worldwide if you listen to holding As- absence listen to the angel and the marble because i think that encompasses everything that the band has has shown like it's it's the full Thank package you, you know and then I recommend going back and starting with the self-titled and then working your way up. That's uh, that's again, that's coming from a music, you know, musician journalist standpoint. That's just my uh, recommendation. Dude, I got to ask now. I, I, I forgot to ask earlier. Gerard Way. I know that is a huge influence on you. 
You know, mm-hmm. I, and I and I'm and bro, bro. I got to cover <laughs> My Chemical Romance last year twice. Actually, we got to cover them in Chicago cool. at Riot Fest. Nice in Dallas American Airlines Center. Oh my god, I, it's dude, insane, bro. I felt like I was in high school again. Like, uh, just yeah. you know, I, I grew up listening to that band, and uh, uh, My Chemical Romance was always in the in the in the the backlit part of my high school days, and actually getting to see them and getting to cover them, and then seeing that how big of a band, uh, how big that band has influenced someone like you, and I'm seeing, I'm yeah. hearing, dude, I'm hearing the influences. You know, cool. I, it, this, I wonder if there's a challenge between like as a vocalist, right? Where do you draw? Like, how did you like make your, you know, your sound? This is Luke because I can tell this is Lucas Woodland of Holding Absence. As I'm listening to this album. You know, did it did it just come naturally? Did you have to? I don't know the struggles of be you know developing your your voice and especially in an industry where everyone's trying to like come out and develop a voice of their own. You know, yeah, yeah man, you're right. I think I'm I'm fortunate because I have just followed my I, I truly think like I've kind of followed my body really like mm-hmm. what does my voice excel at and what do I enjoy doing and let's do more of that and you know so I think it's interesting because you know G- Gerard Way is like is probably my favorite vocalist of all time but I know I cannot replicate him because he's just too unique you know and and to that point yeah. I don't want to replicate him but I just think what did he do that I loved other than his voice, you know, and he was, um, man, he was, you know, he was tender, but he was visceral and he was a storyteller. He was a poet, you know, and he, he was conceptual. And, you know, it was almost like all these things for me, I was like growing up, I remember just thinking like, this dude does so much more than just sing. And that's what's inspired me the most from his, his work, I guess. But yeah, you're right to, to your point though. I'm so grateful. I, I read a somewhere on Metalcore Reddit that like, you know, it was like, who's got the most distinct voice in the Metalcore mm-hmm. scene? And, and it was really lovely. I, like someone commented my name and it was one of the top comments. And, and, and I just remember thinking like, that's like the biggest compliment because that means that you are you, you know, yeah. you, you're good or whatever. You know, I didn't even need to be good, but some of the best vocalists of all time aren't good but they are unapologetically themselves. And I think for a while I maybe struggled with who I was, if that makes sense. I knew I could sing or I knew how to sing, but I didn't know how to sing as myself. And I think now after all these years, I'm I'm grateful that I'm kind of just, I'm I'm the performer and the, the vocalist that I am naturally now after all this time, you know? Yeah. And it seems like you, you have, uh, the legacy that Gerard Way left behind, right? It seems like it's impacting someone like you and you're carrying it forward where, mm. I don't know, three, four years down there, even now people will be like, man, I want to be able to sing like Lucas. That's that <laughs> right there. When you see results like that, you're mm. already seeing it. Bro, celebrate your successes along the way because they don't, it's, you know, it comes and goes. So, and you guys are doing yeah. it. And um, now I want to, I don't shout out to Gerard Way. I'm going to give a shout out real quick to Dan Weller because the sound itself mm. was a big part of this record that I really love, Lucas. I'm very, I'm an audio yeah. file these days. I'm very picky on mm. how I want, want my music to sound. We mentioned Matt from because he worked on Caskets, yeah, yeah. Buried and Buried Tomorrow, Enter Shikari. Um, now between writing and then structuring the songs and the production process, we're gonna uh, end this interview on a very like a, a very important topic that I wanted to get into. So, um, I'm gonna mention three things to you, okay? Like as I'm yeah. like because my, yeah. my mind's about to explode. Michelangelo, the Renaissance sculptor, Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah. 
Star Wars. We mentioned Star Wars very briefly. I'm by the way, uh, I'm just gonna show this to you real quick, just because we're on we're on the subject and we're hitting it off really well. So last month, I know I'm going off topic, but I think you will appreciate this. No, you're good, you're good. I met Hayden Christensen. That's me and my Let's brother. Let's go. Let's so he, go. So he was, he was, he was in Dallas <laughs> last month. That's anyway, so that, that, I'm a yeah. huge Star Wars fan. So if we want to go down that line, we can. But Michelangelo, Star Wars, and Kintsugi, which is the ja- Japanese pottery. That's the art, Japanese part, pottery of art. Why am I mentioning these? People are probably wondering, what the hell? These are very three random subjects. The lyricism throughout this album, right, Lucas? Because we mm-hmm. talked about the first album which is about love, the self-titled, The Greatest Mistake of My Life. The second album was about loss. And then this album rounds out about the person that's left in the end of all that, you know, Um, and the lessons they learn from their traumas. Thinking about all this, the tangibles of themes or messages to your music, Lucas, how important are themes to you? Is that a big component to songwriting for a band like Holding Absence? Because this is the third part of the trilogy. So I don't know if people basically know that yet. Mm, yeah, man, for sure. I think concepts are a huge part of what I do. I, I think as a lyricist, I almost view having a concept down as, as like drawing a pencil outline, you know? It, it yeah. just gives you some sort of guidance. You know what you're working with. And, and then you can be as expressive as you want, really. But you've always got some sort of true north to come back to, you know? Uh, so yeah, with this album, um, first and foremost, the Star Wars thing is funny because I—it's not like I—I I think that's on the press, the press kit somewhere. But basically, the the Star Wars thing was just um, a reference to the, the the concept of writing a trilogy and and looking at like what how, you know, like trying to find almost inspiration outside of our world and how to translate it into our world, you know. And and I basically just remember thinking like. You know, this is a uh, sorry new question, but is the Empire Strikes Back is this is number six, right? That's yeah? five, 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 five. So, is yeah. it a new hope? A new hope is uh, wait, you're talking about the, the trilogy of that? Return of the Jedi, which Return of the Jedi, yeah, Return of the Jedi, yeah, yeah. So, so this was our Return of the Jedi, and I, and I remember thinking, like, you know, wh- where are you at the end of number five, and what have you got left to to want to know do you get what i mean like what itches haven't been scratched and you know and and then similarly how can we do that like what is our fan base wanting from us while we're kind of trying to complete this trilogy of albums i guess you know and that led us to write songs like honeymoon that led us to write songs like scissors and death nonetheless you know making sure that we'd covered angles that you know we'd never covered before and then ultimately with the angel and the marble you know i mean uh not to be too on the nose but that is is the scene where everybody gets their medals at the end of, of yeah. uh, the sixth movie you know what i mean that's the celebration wow. and that is the conclusion and, and i think for me it was very much like even though it's a stupid reference it's like you know it, it kind of it got me into the headspace of thinking how am i going to close this off and what reference can i take from what other places in, in the world i guess you know um but the other points the, the other two things you mentioned are far more tangible and um uh, essential to, to this process but basically with this album like you said it was the first album was about love and the second album was about loss and i thought to myself what is left to say and it's 
looking at the rubble and trying to identify yourself after all of this emotion, essentially trying to find out who you are after everything has happened, you know? So that was kind of the idea of this album. And then, you know, Kintsugi, which is the Japanese art form of infusing Mm -hmm. glue with gold and mending things to be more valuable, you know, that really stuck with me. And then the other thing was, was um, Michelangelo's David, because it was like, I, I drew a parallel between those two things. I realized that those two things have been made beautiful because they broke, you know? And then I was like, well, the first two albums have been slowly me breaking down essentially. And this third one is me looking at everything that's happened, trying to contextualize it and almost trying to celebrate that I am who I am because of the things I've experienced and lived through in life, you know? Um, and then voila, the noble art of self-destruction, you know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you need to experience hard things, but there is a beauty to that ultimately, you know, man, uh, that was so beautifully well put. Uh, you couldn't have answered that any well. This, what is this? This means we're going to get what? Six more albums, right? Because there's nine Star Wars. The, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I've always said I'd love to do nine albums. Regardless, that's of Star so Wars, funny. Right? Uh, yeah. I love that. I'm, I don't think I'll ever watch Star Wars the same way again. Next time I watch that, just watch any movie. I've watched Star Wars just as far as like a daily thing now. I just keep it like random, like episode, episode two, like Attack Attack of the Clones in the background, the uh, Rise of Skywalker in the background. Um, what's so, your What's your favorite? Okay, I'm gonna count. Uh, hey, here's what I'm gonna do. Okay, yeah, let's make it fun. I'm gonna count to three. We're gonna both name our favorite episode. All right. It's gonna be. I'm gonna do one, two, three, and we're both gonna name it. You ready? Let me know when you're ready. Think about this for a second. Uh, this is an important topic. All right. It is. It is. Um, okay. 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 I you got it. One. You got it. All right. I'm yeah. gonna do one, two, okay. three, and then we're both gonna name it. Okay. Ready? Okay. okay. One. Yeah. Oh, I can't do this. It's too funny. One, two, three. Return Phantom of the Menace? Jedi. Oh, that, okay, 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 that's okay. also a good one. Yeah. I love the Phantom Menace. Actually, yeah. the Phantom yeah, Menace. sweet nostalgia. I think for me, Darth. Think about this, bro. I cannot believe. With, I don't get me wrong. He's not as iconic as Darth Vader, but Darth Maul is so iconic, bro. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm yeah. telling you, like yeah. when I would, dude. I was a kid when I watched that movie in theaters. I yeah, was same. so sad that they killed mm. him off. I'm like. You mean he's gone, bro? I brought, I know, his, and I, I brought his lightsaber and everything. Doublet. I was I yeah, was dude. swinging around the house before my mom like I hit it for me, you know. But dude, when I saw that movie, dude, Darth Maul, everybody wanted to be like Darth Maul. We've never seen a Star Wars character like that. And granted, I think he did make a comeback in like that Han Solo movie towards the end. A spoiler. I'm sorry if everyone I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, oh I'm I sorry. Know that. I'm well, so I only sorry. got like halfway through. It's fine. No, I stopped watching it. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was the one movie but, um, that I didn't really care about that much because yeah. we knew yeah. the whole 12 parsecs and all that blah 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 mm. we knew Han's story but yes Maul does make a comeback at the end so maybe now I gave you I'm yeah. the you other thing I'd add about yeah you're good, you're good the other thing I'd add about Phantom Menace is was, I think Ewan McGregor is my Obi-Wan like whenever I think oh. about Obi-Wan Kenobi that's who I see and I'm not sure if uh that's controversial or not but did yeah that see, probably contributes to my did you yeah. see oh did you see the obi-wan kenobi series yeah i i, I okay. really enjoyed it dude. okay yeah i'm getting goosebumps again you can't see me but did you <laughs> okay i teared up i teared up at the end when qui-gon again when qui-gon showed up i'm spoiler alert i'm already too late for that but when qui-gon showed up at the end of the series dude 
like that i i was I, i've never cried like like that before i was like oh my god this was amazing like when it's it's to the point where it's not even obi-wan and qui-gon anymore it's liam neeson and ewan mcgregor to yeah, get like yeah, yeah, talking yeah, to each other sure. that, see yeah, i, I felt like a kid again so i don't know if you felt the same way but man star wars holds such a special place in my heart so like i said we'll well, we can talk about that as long as you want. And I did meet Mark Hamill as well. As well, so no way, bro. All yeah, right, I did. Right, sure. I met Mark Hamill, <laughs> well, dude. Just uh, let let's stay in touch on Instagram. You'll see all all the photos. So I'll post all of them on there. But Hayden Christensen was such a nice guy. I'm so glad he's getting the recognition now yeah, because he yeah, got he such it. a bad rap after those. those I thought he was. Re- I did think he was great in the in the first three. Like I, I feel yeah, like his ca- cards were dealt for him, but. I mean, I thought he was cool. You know what I mean? And I thought it was believable as well. And he deserves all the smoke right now, you know, because yeah, people yeah, are, yeah. dude, the line that day to meet Hayden, mm. it, it sold out in like minutes. Sick. And luckily we were able to meet him. And it was just a, just a, again, that was just a bucket list moment for me, for my life, yeah, just to meet Hayden. But anyway, man, uh, uh, <laughs> Lucas, I know we've covered a good amount of ground on this awesome conversation, man. Uh, thank you for, sharing so much on on who you are really and what holding your absence is all about representing whales in the in in the music sense and the process and the form of art that you guys are conveying you know from the different experiences and perspectives in your timeline that we have talked about right and performing for as long as you have and the people you have met and work with during these three like really solid records i feel like you've found your sound with with this record you know you you guys have finally arrived as a band the touring, you. your your growing fan base, and the relationship with your bandmates, yourself, and the music, and I think we're entering an important chapter with holding absence here. I'm excited to see where you guys go from here. There's definitely a level of inspiration to what you're doing, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You're seeing results. Let me round this out with the final question: Have your aspirations, right, Lucas, as a musician, or hell, as just mm-hmm. a human being? Have they changed or evolved since when you first started performing in the industry? Like, do you see things differently today? I, that's such a great question. Yeah, I I do see things differently, but I I don't feel any differently, if that makes sense. I'm still the person I I was when I stepped into this world. And I'm still as in love with everything around me and as grateful for everything. And yeah, I might be different because I've lived through it all, you know what I yeah. mean? And that's what happens when you, when you experience things in life, you know, you, you change, but my mission statement, my goal, my purpose, like none of that has ever changed. And, and I think the main, I know you, you just mentioned, you know, we're from Wales, so we're not even English. Like we're from the smallest country. Yeah. Make United sure people England. know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, there's that misconception th- all the time. And you guys tied us in the world cup. I think if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember. Yeah. 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 But like, I think, you know, it, where I, where we come from and the world that we kind of spawned out of essentially so very far away from all of the things that I am experiencing now, you know, when I go to America and Australia and and see all these insane cities and meet these, I would see millions of people around me and meet thousands of home absence fans. I never thought I'd get the chance to meet. And then I come home and I drive through my humble little country that I'm from and the, the hills surround me and the population decreases and, and, and it, it makes me all the more grateful. You know what I mean? So I hope I never lose that because um, that's kind of what makes all of this so special almost is, 
is the duality. You know, it consistently yeah. reminds me of how far we've come. So yeah, very grateful. Man, uh, thank you for that. It's almost like it's like a peaceful moment. Like when you're all the yeah, chaotic, dude. the chaotic life of touring, coming back home and just going on this drive on the long road. Dude, I know how that feels, man. Like it, you feel so like almost emotional to the point. It's just, it, you yeah. feel like so grateful for that at moment. And those moments, it's not often that happens. So when it happens, you know, take it all in. But uh, yeah, Lucas, uh, brother, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, man. Uh, sorry, to, I think I kept you over no, time. But, um, no, you're I, good, you're good. Dude, I, I really appreciate you for just, doing this with you man we we the chemistry we had on on this it felt it felt like it was very therapeutic You're right a legend. Matt, yeah, Matt from Casket yeah, yeah, yeah. said the same thing so um but uh let's stay in touch like I said on the socials and I will keep you posted once this episode airs everyone who is listening worldwide this is the amazing Lucas Woodland from uh, holding absence the noble art of self-destruction uh drops August 25th on sharp tone man we got over a month since that until that album comes out i can't wait for people to hear this but it'll um, it'll whiz by yeah yeah and uh if you could do me and lewis lucas a favor by the album because the bands can't do it without your help it goes a long way and trust me because the it's it's great album art too i mean it's just it's just a great thing to have the final piece like the actual piece in your hand i'm old-fashioned lucas i still buy records that's sitting in the corner of my room so i still buy cassettes i still buy cassettes (laughs) people bands come up cassettes these days so that's that's a that's a journey too, but um, and everyone just listening, uh, don't, forget, don't forget you can listen to this podcast on all major podcast streams out there. Check us out on interviewunderfire.com. Much love, brother, man. Uh, have a I great rest of the month. Um, have a dude, enjoy this time, you know, before you head out on the road and have a safe tour with Census Fail and Thousand Below. I will see you down the line, man. I'm counting, Texas, the, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, let's stay in touch and I, I will see you yeah, guys. All right, it's gonna be great. Legend. All right, brother. Have a lovely day. Thank you so all right, much. Talk Take to you care soon. Of yourself. Save myself.